Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. I'm here today with Gregory Deal. Gregory has been on a journey of global quest for learning, self-discovery, entrepreneurship, and inquiry for most of his life. He's lived and worked in 45 countries, and he continues to use his experience to help others along the path of self-fulfillment through exploration. His first two books are Amazon bestsellers, and the first, Brand Identity Breakthrough, is written to help entrepreneurs prepare complex value messages across many media. Gregory continues to travel internationally. He has unconventional lifestyle coaching and brand identity consultancy that he offers for impassioned individuals. So welcome, Gregory. Thanks for having me. Just one small correction, though. It's actually now 49 countries. I just hit a few more. 49? Wow. What's your goal? How many do you want to get to? How are you missing? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'll ever get to all of them because by most counts, there are 196 countries in the world, and uh, probably most of Africa I won't get around to. But I think I'll get to at least 100 within the next decade or so. That's great. That sounds like fun. So tell me, how has living in, and traveling to so many cultures really taught you about marketing and communications? What have you learned? Well, to me, all forms of sales and advertising are a function of empathy, right? Like understanding how things work from another person's perspective. And I don't know of anything in the world that increases your working ability to do that than to try to integrate yourself with a completely foreign culture where everything that can be different is different, where all the things that you take for granted about how you normally live are, are suddenly gone. It really forces you to change the way you think and the way that other people live and how you interact with them. So you've traveled to, to nearly 50 countries. So do you see a kind of common differences, or are there things that really are different country to country? Well, of course, you know, every major location around the world is going to have some similarities. Latin America feels very different than Southeast Asia or North right. Africa or Eastern Europe, you know, there's always going to be some similarities, you know, from place to place, but there can also be stark differences just going across one border to another, right? Um, even the United States to Mexico, there's a great example. I used yeah. to live in San Diego, just 45 minutes north of the border to Tijuana, Mexico. And uh, when I was around 19, I would travel back and forth quite frequently and just seeing immediately the huge difference in lifestyle, in culture, in standard of living, and everything, just because you cross this imaginary line with this big border put up, and the fact that most people living in San Diego, which I lived in for, for the first several years of my life, really had no conception of this whole other world that was you know, just a couple minutes south of them. Like That's, that's pretty eye-opening when you realize that people can have completely different ways of thinking about how they live even when they're so geographically close to each other. And to me, it's given me a huge respect just for how every individual on the planet has a completely different working worldview when you really break it down. So if you're going to sell something to someone, something niched that's supposed to appeal really personally to them, it means you need to have some kind of appreciation for their personal working worldview. You know, that that's so true. And I think that as much as we have techniques and we have new ways of marketing and kind of really targeting specific audiences, I think too often we, we put people into these big 
categories and whether it's by you know millennials versus baby boomers or by ethnic background or americans versus mexicans and even going south of the border you don't have all mexicans you north of the border you don't have all americans so you really do need to understand who you're selling to what else did you learn that, that in terms of your your book brand identity breakthrough uh, what did you find that the, the, in writing this book that really um, you know, kind of resonated with you? What are some of the key ahas that you have? Well, to me, it's two sides of the same coin to be developing your own identity and at the same time identifying what kind of person is going to be uniquely receptive to that identity. Every company has an identity, whether you know, you're working on your personal brand, which has been a big focus for me lately, or you're building the brand of your small business. A personality has to exist that's either going to turn off or turn on a specific kind of person. So the more well-defined the identity of your company is, the more well-defined is the identity of the people who are going to be buying from you, right? And so if you're still stuck in some level of generic value proposition, uh, higher quality, faster service, uh, <laughs> we care more than the other people, you know, just phrases I've heard thousands of times and most everyone else is sick to death of now too – who are you attracting with a statement like that? Really no one. Like in just in a general sense, yeah, okay, I might feel better about the guy slightly who says he cares about quality, but anyone who comes along with something a little bit more specific to my needs is instantly going to get more of my attention than the guy just making really generic promises. So the more generic your identity, the more generic the people you're going to appeal to. I think you're absolutely right, and, and I think we see that in the retail space with companies like the old companies like Sears and Pennies and Kmart and all of those versus the new retailers that really are focused on who their brand is, who their audience is, uh, and you can really understand what the value proposition is as opposed to, yeah, bigger, better quality. What does that mean? It's, it's too generic. So you, you, um, you focused a lot on small businesses in your book. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see that small business owners do time and time again when it comes to brand identity? I don't think they focus enough on their own personality. I think very often uh -huh. they try to play it safe by focusing on the product itself or, or the service. Again, even if they move beyond just that generic promise of it's higher quality, um, or they might then just focus on, well, it, it does X function better. Okay, that's that's a little bit better. You know, if I'm searching for a particular kind of hammer, I'm going to want the hammer that works best for the job I'm trying to do. So that's that's good. But tell me more about the people selling the hammer because you know you're probably not trying to build your business off of one-off of tra one-off transactions, right? That I just happened to find the hammer that I needed most in that moment. But you're trying to build a relationship with me so that I want to talk about you, that I want to make many repeat purchases with you, that I want to upsell to bigger products and services rather than just some introductory in, you know, impulsive purchase. And I can't do that if you don't have a strong personality for me to interact with. And that can be anything. It could even be something that might traditionally be considered negative, like sarcasm could be a big part of your personality if that appeals to your target market. Like I'm a really intense guy. That's a big part of my personality. Some people don't like it. The people who read my books and listen to my podcast and interact with me really like it. You know, So those are the people I'm appealing to. You know, I think you're right because it, it, you stand out. And I wrote a book called Marketing Above the Noise, Achieve Strategic Advantage with Marketing That Matters, and it's all about standing out. And if you're going to play it safe, and I actually had a guest on a couple of weeks ago who talked about why playing it safe is really risky, but um, you're going to play it safe, you're appealing to everyone, which means you're appealing to no one, and you don't stand out. 
and at least people remember you. And they may not always like you, but they will at least remember you and know what you stand for. And that's important because otherwise you get lost in the sea of, of too many products, too many services, too many people trying to sell to us. Yeah, and a lot of it is just being brave enough to be authentic. You know, some people are really afraid to show who they really are, and they think they need to become this, like, politically correct corporate entity. And that's just the worst. I hate that. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. So who do you, who, who would you say has done a great job of, of going out and being authentic and um, having that strong personality? Uh, anybody besides the, the, you know, the normal ones, obviously we talk about Apple a lot and people like that. Uh, give us some examples of companies that you've seen that really do this well. Well, the classic comparison would be like the difference between why would somebody go to Dunkin' Donuts versus Starbucks, right? If they're both selling coffee, both in the same product category, more or less, the answer is going to be because of their personality appeal, that Dunkin' Donuts appeals more to the, the um, blue-collar, working-class uh, and Starbucks is a little bit more high and mighty social status symbol, um, white collar, for lack of a better term. Um, that's a really good and I think a really intentional distinction. And those are still both really big businesses, obviously. Those are huge businesses. I see Starbucks in almost every country I go to. They're all over right. Peru. Um, uh, but even right there, you know, that's a form of bravery in and of itself that Dunkin' Donuts might be seen as like lower class to the typical Starbucks drinker, and maybe they would never go there unless they were desperate for a caffeine fix. But it's brave to stand your ground and say, this is our identity. This is who we appeal to. This is who we want to serve, right? And that's a very simplified demonstration. But I think the smaller your business, the more license you have to get more and more specialized. Like the, the big guys have to be generalized to an extent because they're trying to appeal to millions of people. But the more niched your services are, the more niche your personality can also be because you're appealing to a more and more specific kind of person and hopefully then justifying a higher price for whatever you do. That makes sense. It really does. And, and we have Starbucks and we have Pete's and we have – you know, McDonald's on the low end with Dunkin' Donuts, but people know what they stand for. And I think that that's really important as opposed to it, everything's sort of vanilla. <laughs> you know, is it good? Is it bad? We don't know. Um, and you know whether you, you fit in and whether you belong there. And as long as you've chosen a, an image and a, and a personality that there's a big enough market to serve, then I think you're, you're fine. Uh, and as long as you're not, you know, alienating people with, with a very negative image. Um, so I think that makes sense. So let's talk a little about entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, the market is obviously crowded. Uh, I, I compare the marketplace today to being at a large cocktail party where everybody's trying to talk at once, and you're trying to talk to the person next to you and find out whether they're a good prospect. And the problem is, um, you know, you can't even be heard because everybody's talking, and the more you try and talk louder, everybody else talks louder. So how can an entrepreneur be unique in that marketplace where it's just so loud and so crowded and it's getting worse, not better? So standing out is hard because it consists of a few different steps, right? And this is kind of falls back into conventional sales wisdom that first you got to get someone's attention and then their interest and then they make a buying decision, right? Like you can't do this all at once. Someone has to want to pay attention to you before you can launch into something like a sales pitch, right? And that's in some ways that's the difference between marketing and sales. That marketing is getting someone's attention and sales is doing something with that attention, like getting them to spend money or, or take some other important step. Um, 
And that's why things like taglines and slogans and elevator pitches are so popular, especially ones that immediately instigate an emotional response, like maybe by making a controversial statement or making a really big promise or even a thumbnail of a woman with a lot of cleavage in your YouTube video. That's an example of the exact same thing. It's designed just to, to grab your attention. Oh, what's that over there? And then once you've taken that first step, crossed that first barrier to do something with it. I found I'm the kind of guy and most of the entrepreneurs I've worked with because our value propositions are so complex that they could never be summarized in a single tagline or a single image. Um, something like books has been a great medium for me because now I have hundreds of pages to tell my whole, whole story and get the entire value proposition across to people. And I couldn't do that in even just a blog post that was only a thousand words long or something because I need all that space to, to get the whole story across and to get the maximum value transfer. So books have been really good for someone like me. And I think we're going to be seeing more and more of this shift towards what some people call education marketing. Books aren't the only way to do that. Online courses are becoming increasingly more popular now for anybody who's considered an expert in a niche industry because now they have access to video and hours of time to get a very specific message across. And I really think, especially, again, the smaller the business, the more specific the value proposition, the more people are going to be moving away from these really quick, superficial, impression-based marketing tactics and more into this really high-density, complex value. That makes sense. That makes sense, certainly. Uh, now, talk, I want to talk a little bit because you, you mentioned your book and how the fact that uh, using the pages of a book lets you tell your story in a way you couldn't do it in a blog post. How has self-publishing two Amazon bestsellers really affected your personal brand? Well, people treat me like I'm someone important now. That's pretty nice. <laughs> I, I get to carry my books with me, use them as business cards uh, when, I, when I meet someone interesting, and I sense there's, there's a, a sense of a possibility for, for uh synergy between us, I get to give them a copy of my book and say, you know, this is what I'm all about. Read it. If you like it, let's talk more. You know, that's, that's really, even that by itself was worth the effort of writing the book now that I have a really convenient form to, to just represent my personality to people. Um, but I find now that people who read the book have also really instantly qualified themselves to want to work with me. Again, if you've sat through the hours it takes to read 250 pages is Brand David Kennedy Breakthrough, and you still want to keep talking to me, I already know you're exactly the kind of person that I want to work with. The sales process is a lot easier then. That's important. That's important. So where, what would you recommend? Would you recommend that entrepreneurs read uh, – well, not that they read books. Would you recommend that entrepreneurs write books? Or what kind of advice would you have for people listening to this? in terms of um, beyond creating this personality, but how to get that message out there? Well, I, I would, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it in the way that a lot of other people are right now. There seems to – people have really commoditized the book writing process, and now I've helped a few other people write their own books and publish those, them on Amazon too. Uh, but I wouldn't do it just to write a generic, you know – 10 things you need to know about being a blogger, you know, or just right. something that essentially is a glorified blog post, right? Like just some really generic approach. And you can even tell by the title, you know, yeah. if, if you're going to write a book, it should be a book no one's ever written before, right? Or that only you could write. That's a huge yep. part of building Absolutely. that unique appeal. Both my books now, and the second one is about travel and personal development, um, you know, there are plenty of branding books that exist. There are plenty of travel books that exist, probably less so than the branding books, but 
if you read both my books, you'll see only I could have written these books, both in my tone of voice, again, but you're probably getting a hint of from the way I'm talking to you right now. Nobody really speaks or writes the way that I do. And also just the specific examples I bring up. A lot of them are from my own life and the unconventional experiences I've had and just sort of the way I structure the whole thing is completely different than any other book I've ever read. And that seems to be the feedback I get from people who've read the books and left reviews. And in that way, I've developed a unique brand personality that you would never confuse for any other author. So it's just like any other marketing or sales tactic. If you're going to do it, be brave about it. Do it in a way that is unique to you and that no one else could ever replicate. Don't just write a glorified blog post and publish it so that you could call yourself an Amazon bestseller. Write it so that you have produced a unique, valuable work in the world. I think that makes sense. Absolutely. A unique, valuable work. And let's not create the nth book on the nth subject that is just a Me Too book, but let's do something. I love when you say, write the book that only you can write. And we all have something that we are unique at and expert at, whether it's writing a book, whether it's building a business, uh, whatever it is, we need to find that voice and, and talk about it. So we've been here today with Gregory Deal, and Gregory is talking to us about, um, um, about branding and brand identity breakthrough. Gregory, if people wanted to find out more about you and your book, where would they go? You can get the books on Amazon. The first one is Brand Identity Breakthrough. The second one is Travel as Transformation. You can also go to my website for any more information about me, which is GregoryDeal.net. Deal is spelled D-I-E-H-L. And you'll also get to listen to my podcast, which is new for me. It's called Uncomfortable Conversations with Gregory, which is exactly what it sounds like. Okay. Sounds good. Well, we, we haven't been too uncomfortable today. We've been talking about this, and I want to thank you so much for being here. And you're in Peru now, right? I am. I'm a big fan of South America. And where are you going next? Do you know what your next stop is? I'll, I'll probably be hopping around the continent for the next several months. I'm trying to get a passport here. It'll be my fourth one, actually. Okay. That sounds like fun. All right. Well, thank you very much. We've been here with Gregory Deal. He's the author of Brand Identity Breakthrough. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.